Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy, and I'm looking for ugly floors. I mean, so ugly, dirt won't stick to it. We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio and turn it into a work of art in just a couple of days. Is your garage floor so ugly you keep the door closed to prevent anyone from seeing it? We Do Epoxy can fix that. Stop living with ugly concrete. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's Tony at 859-582-7920. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How are you? I'm okay. I'm going to test your knowledge as a sports fan, which you pride yourself on being. Don Gullett, you know that name? Yeah, Dodgers pitcher. Dodgers pitcher, Don Gullett? Uh, I think he was a Reds pitcher, wasn't he? Wasn't Don Gullett on the big red machine? Anyway, he passed away today. Oh, really? I hadn't heard. Yeah, 73. I just saw it. A buddy of mine just texted me Don Gullett. I think he was on the big red machine. Maybe both, but yeah, definitely a red also. I don't know why Dodgers popped into my head first. So you do know him. That's good because he was definitely before your time. Yeah, yeah. Born in 80, so all the great Reds teams I pretty much missed. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was just checking. Now, everything about him shows Reds. Oh, wow. He was a Kentucky boy also. Oh, I didn't know that. From South, I, I, th- I think I do know that now. South Shore, Kentucky. And he did pitch a year with the Yankees. I remember that. So he had an eight-year career. 109 and 50. It's a pretty good career. Wow. No Dodgers, just Yankees? Yeah. yeah Reds and Yankees. Okay. That was close. That's pretty cool. One of the big teams. And he lived his entire life in Greenup County, Kentucky. Well, rest in peace, Don Guller from the Big Red Machine. Nice. And, and uh, coming up very shortly, our producer, Troy, is going to lead the show, which I'm excited about. And I know Troy is probably in a square watching what's going on and thinking, I bet the audience loves when Ray just reads from his phone and nobody knows what's going on. Like That's probably some of the best podcasting we, we do. Just because you're a kid, you know, there's some of us that Don Gullett meant something to, man. No, no, it wasn't. He was one of the greats. You had him on the Dodgers, for God's sake. He was a big red machine. Come on, man. It's not the sentiment. I'm just giving you shit for doing it while we're on the podcast and reading, and and it's not good communication. Clean your... Clean, clean your language up with Troy. Oh, here's something interesting. 800 cannabis plants were found on Don Gullett's property back in the 70s. Cool. He denied any knowledge of the plants. Wow. <laughs> Continuing to read from the that. Wikipedia page. So good for Don. He and I would have gotten along very well. That's pretty good. And uh, Yeah, and the listeners maybe could use some, some cannabis before the show gets started, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I Troy wanna, is joining us. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna bring Troy on. I, I, I did want to point out it has been, and we should do it more often. And we have so many like Troy. I don't think of as a guest, more as like kind of the guy that comes on and kind of is the omnipotent being of the show. But like <laughs> even just guests, I feel like that we don't get back to. Like I would like to get back to Brandon. I'd like to have Aaron on more. And like there's so many guys that we just. It feels like we just go and all of a sudden it's been a year since some people have been on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. And also uh, Troy was saying in a little pre-show banter that he insisted on foul language. <laughs> so I was trying, I to will not be using much. any Troy. That is strictly the purview of Trisden. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it's what Troy wanted. It's not what I want. I, I don't like that type Never. of salty language. Um, of course not. 
But uh, but man, with that, without further ado, let, let's bring the producer, the legend, the the inventor of this show. So everything that happens with this show, I like to say positively, you can credit Troy. The bad stuff, you can certainly blame us. I was going to say, excluding your foul language. Well, no, he he wanted the foul language. He insisted okay. upon. Well, we'll let Troy. He's here. He can speak for himself. He's a grown man. Yeah. Hello, Troy. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Is this thing on? Welcome, Troy. Always a pleasure. I am sad that this is an audio-only podcast because uh, viewers could see I've got a scoreboard just mm. off camera of times when you all have said, hey, Troy, you need to cut that out. You need to edit that. And actually, Ray's winning right now <laughs> oh, nice. with request for it. Just take that out. That's too far. Nice. That's funny. <laughs> I would have right, and it's a fitting week for me to come on because last week my name was invoked, and they you said maybe you should cut that out, but I left it in. And you usually you use that. good judgment. Yes, thank you for that. Usually, I wish you and my wife could talk. <laughs> she would say something different. Indeed. <laughs> Well, guys, when I come on, what I like to do is ask probing questions that maybe you've not thought about before to let all the listeners out there get to know you all better. Remember last time, and if you go back into the archives, we played Cards Against Humanity, and if you lost, you had to answer a personal question? It was great, yes. I remember it well. So good, good, good. I encourage listeners to go back and first go back to listen to last week and hear what I left in and then go back and listen to the last time Troy was on. Uh, Google uh, Extreme Common Sense Troy. I'll just come up once. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But what I want to do this time, here we are sitting on February 15th and uh, President's Day is coming up. After President's Day, there is the longest stretch of the year when there's really nothing going on. That's fair. You know, think about that, you know, it's like well into the early summer before we get Memorial Day. And that's really, you know, from President's Day Memorial Day is a few months where there's nothing exciting. But this particular week, we're in the same sandwich of three different incredible things. Remember, uh, just barely, almost a week ago, there was the Super Bowl. Did you hear about right. that? Yes. Okay, good. Did, did you hear about last Sunday was Valentine's Day? Or no, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Sorry. Yesterday. All right. That's a big thing. And then coming up, like I just said, is President's Day. Those are three things back to back. And then we've got a long stretch. It's like a holiday camel we're experiencing. <laughs> um <laughs> And so I wanted to do is take each of those. I wanted to talk about big sports. I want to talk about big love and big presidents and ask you questions on each of those topics. (laughs) And you have to respond with at least one answer each. You can answer more if it comes up to you. And uh, we'll just play round robin. I'll ask question number one. And to give you a sense of what's in, in my mind and to get a different voice on the show, I'll answer the question. And then throw it over. This first question, Tristan, let me hit you first, and then we'll go to Ray. And then when we get to the big love question, Ray, I have to hear from you first. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> okay. All righty. Good deal. Good deal. So here we go. Super Bowl last weekend, and none of us attended it, right? Sad but true. 
I didn't have 10 grand, Troy. <laughs> but if we did, it would be something that we would remember for the rest of our lives, right? Oh, for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, for sure. um, I bet we have all experienced something via sports, either in person or, you know, over the TV or Ray, in your instance, maybe radio uh, going that far back. That was a joke. Uh, no, I got you. You're right. That uh, you will remember for the rest of your life. And my question uh, to us, this first big sports question is, what are at least one of those events? And maybe, you know, is it two? Okay. And funnily enough, uh, I, in the 70s, was a big Reds fan. I was a little kid, you know, and uh, that was the closest big popular, you know, sport. And I remember uh, Pete Rose hitting the all-time, you know, hit, his actual hit. Right. And uh, so I I remember that on TV, and that was, a you know, a special time. Um, I, I specifically remember that. Then also connected to sports. This is a little more recent than that, but but not modern, not not in this century. Gosh, that's old. <laughs> that feels strange to say. But uh, I was right. in an Applebee's in Winston Salem, and that sounds like a country song in some way. The first line of a country song. Indeed, uh, I was there and watched uh, a UK game with the big stomp. Remember when Christian Leitner oh, yeah. stomped oh, the sure. UK family? Yes. Well, I was yes. not that far away from Duke when that happened. Right. And uh, there was applause. And, you know, it was completely different seeing it there and then coming home and that being like the front page of the paper and all that. That was That's, uh, that's something I'm going to remember. And it was pretty cool. All that's right? awesome. So, Trisden, this is your chance to recap some sports event that either you were at or, or saw live that you um, are going to remember for all of your life. Well, uh, let me give you a quick one, and only because it also has an Applebee's tie-in. And, and then I'll give you the one that actually matters the most to me. So, I was in uh, Applebee's in 2003 watching the Yankees-Red Sox uh AL, ALCS winner goes to the world series. Um, and this was the year before Oh four when big poppy and they came back from uh, three games down. This was the year before that. And I don't remember if it went six games or seven games. I think it was actually game six, really close series. And, uh, I'm in there with some friends really excited. Where are my Red Sox at? Now I'm a diehard Reds fan, but I do have a soft spot in my heart for these teams that had not won the World Series. So I always rooted for the Cubs once the Reds were out, and I always rooted hard for the Red Sox just because I really wanted to see the those streaks ended of their losses. And luckily they both finally have. But uh, so I was in the World Series or in Applebee's in this ALCS uh I think it was a tied game. I don't have all the exact memories of the game specifically, but Aaron Boone steps up and hits a walk-off series-ending home run. And I remember being so freaking mad in Applebee's, Troy, that I really left out of there so dejected and angry. So that's my Applebee's sports story. But I would say <laughs> the coolest thing that's that I've ever been a part of in sports, and I actually thought of it just the other day, was uh, in 2015 when the when the All Star Game was in Cincinnati, and uh, I actually was able to get tickets to the Home Run Derby, and 
Todd Frazier, who was at the time the Cincinnati Reds starting third baseman, was in that home run derby and won the derby. And we had really good seats and the crowd was just going crazy because it was a hometown guy. And uh, so it was like just, you know, as somebody who's seen a hundred Reds games at the stadium, this was the coolest thing I've ever seen at a major league baseball park. Um, I've seen a triple play up there, which was pretty cool, but seeing Todd Frazier win the, the all-star game with the electricity in the crowd and how Todd really was a fan favorite kind of guy and really related to the fans, man, it was just an unbelievable couple hours. So for me, that would be it. Awesome. Jersey guy, Todd Frazier. The Little League World Series. Tom's River, New Jersey. He won a Little League World Series in Tom's River, New Jersey. Yep, that's exactly right. How many plants of uh, pot plants do you think he grew? (laughs) (laughs) At least 30. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, Ray, the question's over to you. What's a sports event that you remember? So you guys are talking Applebee's. I can throw a crazy Eddie's in there, who, which is a reference that some people up in the Northeast will get. I worked in crazy Eddie's in 1983-84, which was an electronics store um, in the early days. This guy came in and sort of captured the electronics market in the North Jersey, Manhattan, Southern Connecticut area and had like 53 stores. I worked there. So picture it's 1984 and there's just a bank of televisions, right? And which is kind of new. And and everybody's watching this Boston College game with this quarterback named Doug Flutie. And he threw that touchdown pass where he just heaved that Hail Mary. And, and the place went absolutely nuts. And it was on every television at Crazy Eddie's. I remember that. But the coolest sporting event I was ever at, the 1986 Mets that won the World Series with the Bill Buckner play and Mookie Wilson. Okay. So that game where Mookie hits that ground ball, that Buckner boots, that's game seven. I'm sorry, that's game six. And the Red Sox are going to win that World Series in six games. Keith Hernandez is back in the clubhouse drinking a beer. Series is over. Buckner boots that ground ball. Yeah, uh, Mets go on to win that game in a miraculous fashion. That's a Saturday night. Sunday night is game seven. It gets rained out. Well, now Major League Baseball has a bit of a dilemma because Monday night is Monday night, they're going to go opposite Monday night football where the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins are playing each other. And the powers that be say, hey, we're Major League Baseball. We're the America's pastime. We're going to play the game. So game seven is being played while the Giants and Redskins are playing at the Meadowlands at the same time. I am in attendance at that Giants-Redskins game. Now, keep in mind, this is a great Giants team who goes on three months later to win the Super Bowl with Bill Parcells and Phil Simms. But here was the deal. Troy, you're an electronics guy. This was so damn amazing. And this is 1986. There were any number of, obviously, transistor radios, Walkmen, little televisions. Everybody is watching this game, this seventh game of the World Series, taking place 10, 12 miles away in Shea Stadium and reacting when something happens in the crowd. So the both teams are in the huddles, right, in football, and all of a sudden the crowd just erupts because a play happened at Shea Stadium. And Phil Simms said it was the strangest game he ever played in because nothing that was going on on the field was correlating because the 70,000 people in Giants Stadium were much more concerned about that Met game, which was seven game, seventh game of the World Series. And I was at that, and that was the strangest sporting event I was ever at in my life. Which Phil Sims said the same thing. That is thing. awesome. And <laughs> yeah, now, that was how crazy. did everybody keep up with the play-by-play? Was it a transistor radio thing while they're watching the game? Oh, 
Hey, all right, so back to Crazy Eddie's. I had, <clears throat> I think, bought or maybe spell off a truck. I had this little <laughs> tiny black and white television, Troy, little tiny black and white TV that was a portable television. And I brought that with me. So we were actually watching the game. Oh, wow. So there were people who had little televisions, people had earpieces, people had radios. Everybody knew what was happening at that game, literally as the crow flies, uh, probably 12 or 15 miles between the two stadiums, Shea and the Meadowlands. And it was just a bizarre night. Crazy. Very night. cool. And by the way, I don't think I made it to work the next day because <laughs> the Mets won and the Giants won. Hey, that's awesome. Quick question for you on that, Ray. Uh, working at Crazy Eddie's. Now, that has be become like such a cliched advertising um, use of marketing. Oh, yeah. Like, his oh, prices are prices, insane. We're crazy. Right. Yeah. So, how did that start? Was there actually a legitimately like bipolar guy who started a record store and just started selling records for a penny? Like, do you think there was actually an example of an actual crazy person that gave everything away too cheap? Yeah. So the guy who became the face of Crazy Eddie's was uh, kind of like an old washed up. Do you ever see Brock Meyer with Hank Azaria? Of course. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Brock Meyer. So, so this guy was Brock, the Brock Meyer of radio. He was this old washed up drunken DJ, Jerry Carroll, probably in his mid fifties. And I don't know, he was hired by whatever marketing team came in. Yeah, that was not Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie was a, actually Eddie, Eddie Antar. He was a, a Jewish man from Syria, and he wound up doing 20 years in prison because he overvalued the stock of his company, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, he cornered the market with that. Oh, people go to prison yeah, for that? Not, yeah. not presidents, Troy. Not presidents, but people. Yeah, okay. not prison, not president. But um, yeah, it was all about electronics. I mean, he cornered the electronics market in in that in that New York area, made a ton of money, and then it didn't end well for him. But this Jerry Carroll became any. If you've seen it, there's a Dangerfield movie where they work a crazy Eddie's ad in, and and you see him, and it was you know, and and if for you Tris, and if you don't think advertising or marketing works, look at the crazy Eddie model. But the thing is, you could not turn the television on or turn the radio on in the in the mid mid 80s throughout the 90s mid i think it, he got about 15 years say from 80 to 95 just crazy eddie was on every spot set radio or television you knew you were going to hear a crazy eddie's ad boy i would be really disingenuous if i did not think advertising worked right <laughs> right right awesome awesome uh that's point number one i thought that went rather well Point number two is uh, the exact opposite. As I said before, it's February 15th. And in case you all didn't know or remember, yesterday is Valentine's Day. And uh, we're tough, big, burly guys here. Let's demonstrate, though, that we have a softer side. And uh, what has been a time, a time or two, that you remember you know, that was particularly romantic? All right. I'll go first, and then, Ray, we're going to you, all right? Perfect. Uh, there's this little place up near Cincinnati. Cincinnati, again, it's getting as much attention as Applebee's. <laughs> and uh, called Kings Island. And to they, in the winter, have something called Winterfest. And, you know, lights are up and all that kind of thing. This was back in college days. I went up with my then-girlfriend... And it was snowing and we were near a carousel and, you know, it, it was dark other than that. And it was really the first time uh, 
we had been, you know, that far away on a date and the snow was down and this was big nineties hair time. So this snow was getting <laughs> in, her, in her hair and all, and, uh, you know, holiday music was playing. It was just a particular time, you know, a, a, lots of things just happened where that was a particularly awesome romantic time that I was aware of it. You know, there have been loads and loads of times, you know, when afterwards, you know, the wife says, oh, that was very romantic or you were being very romantic and, you know, I'm just doing, you know, just doing things. But that was a time that in the moment, you know, it felt like a romantic time. Right? Ray, what, to you. Oh, it's so funny, Troy. I must be the least romantic person. So when Tristan and I were talking a little bit about your questions, I told him this. I was watching um, uh, Modern Family, which is a favorite of mine, an old repeat of Modern Family. And and Claire and Phil are are planning this really romantic Valentine's Day, and it's and it's quite intricate. And they're 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 doing all these different things and taking on different personas and planning where they're going to meet and making a whole big night out of it. And I'm thinking to myself. I don't have one Valentine's Day that sticks out in my mind of ever having done anything terribly romantic for my wife. So what a heel I am. So I can't I can't top the snow at King's Island story for sure. But uh, maybe Tristan's got a good romantic Valentine's Day. Well, so it doesn't need to be Valentine's Day anytime. Oh, well, I'll tell you, know, you what. Was it? Hey, okay, so I'll tell you what I thought was pretty cool for me. And because I'm not, I'm a hopeless sentimentalist, but not ter a terrible romantic. And that sentiment. Right, so this is on side. the Ray standard. This isn't like real life standard, but this is the Ray standard <laughs> yeah. of romance. Yeah, the sentiment just gets you in trouble. That's my Irish side. But but the, the romantic okay. part is is you know that that's an important part of life, and I'm not sure I got that figured out. But I'll tell you about how I proposed to my wife, which I thought was pretty cool. It was uh, uh, all right. So we're all originally from Jersey. I don't know if you guys knew that. And Patty's, Patty's folks had moved down in 84. Uh, I don't know if I ever have said this. The reason I'm in New Jersey is Westinghouse. Yes, yeah, so that Westinghouse. My father-in-law worked 42 years. He was transferred down at age 50 uh, in 1983. Patty's sister moved in 87. We moved in 88. But it was Christmas of 87. Um, I went down. My wife had come down for Christmas to visit her folks. And I just said, oh, enjoy Christmas. You know, I'll see you when you're back kind of thing. And I think I had called her parents and given her a heads up. I, I flew down, and this is no this is no BS. I flew down, and I rented a car, and I stopped at a rest area, and I put on a full Santa Claus outfit, and I had bought two bottles of champagne in like a package, and I had dropped a ring into the bottom of one of those bottles of champagne, and I had also bought bought a little box that looked like a ring box, but it had these cheap earrings in it. So I go down, I knock on the front door, and they actually didn't know. Her parents knew because I had told them, but my brother-in-law, my late brother-in-law, her, uh, Patty's sister, Nancy, my own wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, didn't know who the hell, who, who is this Santa Claus? Who's knocking on the door? <laughs> and then finally I come clean, it's me. And so we're exchanging gifts, and I give Patty this little box that looks like a ring, and she thinks this is going to be it. And somewhere this is all on videotape, and her hand's shaking a little bit. And when she opens it and it's these cheap earrings, she just goes, oh, they're nice. Like, she's totally, <laughs> her world is ruined. So I let, like, another hour go by, and I say, hey, I brought this champagne. Let's pour it and get the glass out. She pours it, and the ring falls out. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually how I got engaged, Christmas of 1987, and then we got married in August of 88. 
That's a great story. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was my one romantic story, Troy. So thank you for asking. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like the thought of her sadness, you know, at the expectation. Yeah, it was it's great. So and good. It, like I said, it was captured on videotape. She's just, she's kind of excited. She's opening it, and it's like these seven dollar earrings, and she's like, <laughs> "Oh, these are nice." <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Uh-uh. All right, Tristan, what is your romantic story? Okay, so we went to Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really, it was. You have you stock know, in that place, Tris? They had two for 20 that night. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> this was pretty good. Um, for my wife and my fifth year wedding anniversary, we went to the beach. And I had this idea to kind of, I, I got her this really nice, I tried to do something really big on our every fifth anniversary, like 5, 10, 15, et cetera. So I'd gotten her this really nice, very, very big diamond ring to sort of replace the one that was smaller that I had, you know, when we got married. So kind of an updated engagement type wedding ring, wedding band. And uh, so I had this plan that I enacted that lasted most of one full day at the beach. We went to the beach. We were in uh, not Destin, not Panama City, um, Pensacola, somewhere down there. And I had bought one of those cheap pearl necklaces with just like they're like pearl beads, essentially. And so (laughs) I broke it apart. And while we're at the beach that day, I keep finding pearls and shells and it was just like this ongoing thing. Like, what are these, these pearls? Like, I don't know if they're real. Like, why are they, in, you know, cause there's shells all over the beach. And so like, I really played it off like for a full day on our vacation. Like, so from the morning we're at the beach in the afternoon, I found like 15 of these pearls in the shell to the point that now my wife is walking around looking, you know, and she obviously can't find any because they're just in my pocket and I'm you know, putting them in and pulling them out. And then finally, just before we're about to leave, I'm like, oh, you should check that shell that's, you know, over by the towel. And she grabs it and it's got this big, gorgeous, you know, diamond ring in it, which, you know, led to a pretty good night. So uh, that's cool. That, that was my full day of like kind of goading her into just nonsense that turned out to be a gift. Yeah, that's romantic. Yes. Yeah, I thought fairly. And how amazing. These pearls have little holes in them. Yeah, the pearls were the odd part. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> Ready to be strong. Yeah. Those are good. All three good stories. Too funny, too funny. Well, I will share a bonus one only because it's crazily similar to Ray's proposal story. Ah, um, nice. I, I, the, you know, my wife, Della, we had been dating for, for quite a while and you know, just when it's about the right time to propose, you know, but there wasn't any event or anything coming up. So um, I, I needed an impetus. All right. So something happened. And uh, I was laying, you know, in my dorm room at UK, I was in graduate school at that point. I said, this is sometimes the way my brain works. I said, I am going to call uh, Costumes Off Broadway in Lexington. And if they have a gorilla suit available, that is a sign to me that I should propose to Della tomorrow. And so I called and they said, well, yes, we have it right here. And so I like hung up the phone and went and got it. 
had had the ring already. That's like how ready you know I thought that we were, and uh, got um, you know got into the gorilla suit, drove to Berea. <laughs> she was a senior at Berea College, and it was finals time. And what was so funny is like so she comes out of the the science building then. Uh, and she looks up and there's this gorilla up in a tree. <laughs> and so she, this is really, uh, you know, something that speaks to her character. She came over to the gorilla to really, you know, she was going to protect campus <laughs> to see, oh my gosh, you don't know, whatever. So she comes up and I thought she knew it was me. Well, I jump out of the tree and I start to chase her like a gorilla would. <laughs> and, uh, and she, you know, so I finally grab her. I take off the mask and I've got the ring on a ribbon around my neck. I break it off and say, well, you know, drop down on a knee. She says, yes. And she says, but I've got to go turn in a paper <laughs> and we have to like go in, in my full garb for her to turn in her, you know, paper. Uh, along the way, uh, it was funny the the professor said, you know, when he saw it, you know, we talked, we told the class this story. He said, she's the gorilla, your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That is a great story. <laughs> that is wonderful. So that, the gorilla in the tree that is real. Oh, We've that's got pictures. great. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. So that was a bonus. Here's question number three. President's Day is coming up, right? Uh this is a larger, more general question, but who do you think are the best and worst presidents, you know, that, you know, in oh, your opinions, <laughs> but what's important is you have to explain why, because your why is more, you know, is actually, you know, more important, uh, tells us more about yourself than which presidents you choose. Okay. I want to, uh, we've got a family, uh, tradition to say who our best president always is. And it's Nixon. And that is because what most people don't think. Of that. <laughs> yeah. How twisted but, is the family? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Right. My oldest brother uh, received his, this was during Vietnam, received his draft card. Hmm. And it was, you know, you know, three weeks, you know, from getting that card, he needed to report and he needed to go, you know, that was it. And uh, between getting that card and when he had to report, Nixon uh, was it? What did he do? He revoked the draft, or he didn't? Yeah, you know, he, yeah. Basically, yeah. I'd say revoke is the proper term. Yes, right. So he said no one else had to report, and so Nixon changed. You know, changed that. I get that. Our family. That's fantastic. So we have to say that's the greatest impact, specifically on our family. Right. You know that we can say a president had. That's great. So he's the best. Well, yeah. can I just before we tell that, or you set it up? Can I just throw an addendum onto that? Yeah. So LBJ. This wouldn't be my family, but my late brother-in-law, Vince, who Trisden knew. So his brother, John, was killed in Vietnam in September of 68, mm -hmm. part of the Tet Offensive. And I can tell a little aside, too, which is pretty cool. So so his son is is John, my nephew. And he was he was a, a name for his uncle who, you know, he would obviously never meet. He was born uh, killed in 68. Johnny was born in 92 or 3. But Patty and I went up to... Uh, on a trip to New Jersey, went to the wall and scratched off John Dalton's name. And uh, they had found this old black and white of Vince's brother in uniform. And we put him, Patty did all this. She, she bought a frame, put the picture of John Dalton, the soldier, the scratched off name from the wall, and then left a spot for a picture of the baby. And here's the really bizarre part, guys. And this is the God's honest truth. Jo uh, John was born, which is just a weird coincidence, but it is. John was born on May 25th, which in that year 
happened to be Memorial Day. And when we gave that to Vince, his dad, and, and the brother of the deceased soldier, uh, it's the only time, talk about a rough and tumble guy. Again, Tristan knew Vinny. It's the only time I ever saw Vinny tear up. It was the damnedest thing, man. But the LBJ connection, Troy, is that Vince, who was a very progressive guy and a strong Democrat, could not stand Lyndon Bain Johnson, one of the great Democrats, because he had ramped up the war and his brother was killed and, and carried a visceral dislike of LBJ. So that goes to the personal nature of a presidency, just like your family with Nixon. Right. How cool. Absolutely. Great story. Big deal, big deal. And then I think the worst uh, is, uh, and there's, it's connected to a podcast. Uh, there's a podcast called uh, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. Recommend that. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yes, yes. I know Dan Carlin, but I didn't know he had a podcast. Okay. Yeah, he's got two, and uh, his hardcore history that. ones are incredible. And they're they could be like six hours long because it's he's a fan of history, right? Is what he said, right? And uh, one of his episodes has to do with manifest destiny, hmm. and uh, so he really drills into like the trail of tears and you know, uh, atrocities, you know, to uh, the first peoples, you know, that are were specifically ordered from uh, President. Jackson. Jackson. And so, yep. uh, you know, you, it, and you can read, he, he reads letters, things like that, that you really have like a visceral, by the end of that podcast episode of a visceral hatred, you know, for him that he's just so, you know, just so, uh, we are the right people to be across this whole land. And that if, was he, it. if yep. these other people have to die, right. so be it. And that's horrible. Yep. That so really is. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Alrighty. Uh, Tristan, it's your turn to go after me. Who is your best president and who's your worst or vice versa? Ooh, that sounds like fun. Um, gosh, you know, we've, Ray and I have made a, a mini career out of beating up on Trump here. So it would be really tough to take anybody but Donald Trump as the worst. And I'm assuming I'm taking that from Ray too, unless he's got some obscure family situation that some other president touched his life. But, you know, to see what he's done to the public at large and how people tend to hate you based on the letter of your name and have sort of made it socially acceptable to have a phrase that means fuck Joe Biden and the, you know, the, like I'm a, I have coarse language on this show, but I have a lot of respect for folks in public. People tune in here, you know, knowing what they're going to get, but the, you know, that type of coarseness and awfulness and, and the hatred that he's brought, you know, for a certain uh, aspect of our community is just been the worst thing to watch. And, and the fact that he's not left and the fact that, you know, there's a, a pretty darn good chance he can win this next election. And at that point, also, maybe there goes democracy or democracy as we know it, at least. And I just I don't know of anything, at least in my life, that I've studied enough that I've seen firsthand that I could say has, has touched me and affected me like that. I mean, what I saw in our own country on January 6th, look, I know you can find five hours of people that are just marching and that aren't trying to do anything violent. But the, the images and the videos of the people that are fighting, you know, the Capitol Police and, you know, the, the officer that committed suicide the next day. I mean, uh, I don't like being the guy that just beats on Trump. But at the same time, I mean, the, the things that he touches, 
in my brain that I, I, I just, I hate about it. It, it brings out the worst, um, part of certain people. And it, um, it has made politics from, to me, at least in my lifetime, what used to be, uh, we would decide on people based on certain things and it has now become an emotional appeal. And the fact that his folks don't care about anything except that emotional appeal that literally he said he could go kill somebody in fifth Avenue or whatever it was. And I don't like the idea of liking our leaders that much, you know, I don't, that that's a little too close to what we left in, in England. I don't like the idea of an all powerful, you know, like I think the, the Kim Jong Il in North Korea, like never goes to the bathroom, right. Is, and like, he never shoots more than a nine on a nine hole golf course. Like, which obviously it's, you know, it's just, these people will believe anything. And like, once those doors are opened, I don't like the idea of that for America. I've always liked the transfer of power, even though we may not like the next four or eight years, we had our damn chance. Like we had a chance to go vote for who we wanted and the vote counted. So very, you know, roundabout long story, a little longer. I mean, it would be tough to to come up with anybody besides Donald Trump for me. Well, if I could just dovetail on that, because we do spend a lot of the time of, of our time on this show talking about Trump. And I think, to Tristan's point, we never exactly, I shouldn't say we never, we, we probably often, but we don't maybe enough explain what that is. And, you know, it's obvious that I, uh, Tristan, probably you as well, Troy, we're, we're lovers of politics and politics is a bare knuckles fight, man. I get that. You know, when Adams ran against Jefferson in 1800, it was a nasty, nasty campaign, but Tristan makes a great point that this is different because it has brought along this coarseness and it's not even the coarseness. And it's so funny. I saw one today walking out of Meyer, Tristan, F-U-F and then the the Biden. And it's like, well, I really dislike Donald Trump, but I never hated the country. I never found this disdain for everyone else on the other side. And that is new and that is dangerous. And that's what I dislike about it. Yes, the man himself, I can't stand. But what he has brought and the you know, politics is a bare knuckle fight, but you should be able to sit across the table from your opponent or as we're doing now and have a grand debate and, 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 you know, out of the tension of those differing ideas come some ideas that may make things better. But these people just hate anybody with a D on uh, their name or, or progressive or liberal. And that becomes the real danger. That's the danger. Yeah. So, well said, and certainly that's why he's my least favorite president. As I would concur, in my life. yes. And, and yeah, I mean, Ray, if you want, and again, I don't know if, if Troy has this uh, particularly in, in a certain order, but if you would like to go ahead and finish your point on Trump, and then I'll move on to... No, that favorite. is my point. I think you made it. It's just that the, you know... That and and you and they'll say, oh well, you know, you hate us, yada yada. Yeah, no, I'm very honest about my disdain for Donald Trump. I thought when he came down the escalator that this was not going to be the best thing for America, and I think at the end of the day that view was vindicated. But I never had the disdain for the country that these people have. I mean, everything is broken. It's dystopian. It's a hellhole. Everything is just awful. Really. This is the United States of America. Everything is awful. And why do they say that? Because this guy is up there telling them to say it. And they have yeah. a media, they have a they have a, a media company who, by the way, lost an almost one billion dollar settlement because they were feeding, I said I wasn't gonna swear, bullshit to their <laughs> to their customers, to their viewers. 
And the, and he's got them backing him saying that same type stuff. I mean, the people who are, t- I mean, I hate to paint with a broad brush, but I feel confident in saying the people who are telling you that America is a dystopian hellhole have Fox News on 24 hours a day. Yeah. Well, and, and Ray, let me tell this quick story. Um, and this happened to me yesterday. You know, I went to go get a haircut and love the lady that does my haircut. Super nice woman. My fairly reasonable assumption is that she's a Trump voter. But based on the conversations we've had, like, you know, and like most people, when you have a conversation with a person, they tend to become less, you know, the fervent far right villain or whatever. So it's, it's fine. Like she knows I'm a little left and I know she's a little right and it's all good. But we were talking and uh, she was talking about the Super Bowl and some of the things that she had seen about the Super Bowl being rigged. (laughs) And it just sort of took me to this place like. People will believe everything now, like if it doesn't, and I don't know, like she wasn't going for the 49ers, I assume, but like, you know, everything, if you don't like it, it's just fake. Or, you know, if it doesn't match the agenda that or the expectation, it's just so easy to say that it wasn't real or there's some evidence online. I saw this crazy video that there was a first down that it should have been a fourth down and I saw it and I don't know how they could have made that video. I mean, and it just made me like want to pull my hair out because I feel like what that does is again, you're it, you just go down that rabbit hole of once the Super Bowl's rigged, then, you know, what's not, it really feels to me like a slippery slope of like, kind of like what you're saying. It becomes, you know, America's ruined and everything's broken and only one man can fix it. Right. It's we got to bring back the yeah. orange warrior. And it feels as though now we're off on one of our regular shows, Troy. Sorry about that. But it feels it, it feels like there's no real paying attention to facts. Like so, in the political realm, it's it's you know there's no real paying attention to actual legislation that's being done or not being done in the case of this Republican House. And you know the Super Bowl is rigged. How? How is that happening? How the money that's involved in the Super Bowl? I mean, the the enormity the enormity of that undertaking. It's almost like you know if they were to if you were to point to the sky and and yell you know pterodactyl for the next three weeks, these people are going to be talking of their fear of the pterodactyl invasion that that's coming, and you know they're not able to sleep at night because of it. It's just craziness, man. Yeah, so it is frustrating that such obviously. BS things have become mainstream. And look, I'm the biggest, certainly 49er fan on this panel. If those refs had looked even a smidge off, I would have been whining about it for three shows in a row. I mean, it was a fair football game. You know, we just didn't pull it out, but it didn't, it never felt like at any point, you know, a, a ref was sort of leaning a certain way and like the Niners got all the bad calls or, or anything like that. And, you know, and I think you could take that logic to most of these things like, well, you know, the election is rigged. Well, where, where's the evidence? Like we've said so many times, we're not like we understand bad things can happen and bad people can organize bad things over time. But there has to be evidence of that. It can't just be right. we think it's rigged because the guy we wanted to win lost. And I can't imagine that many people voted for Joe Biden. So it had to be rigged somehow. We just don't know how. Well, bring us that evidence and like the guys like me and Ray that are center left and certainly the middle folks, we're going to believe you. We're going to buy in when a a jury of his peers says, look, there's evidence this election was rigged. I'm on board, but we can't just do that on faith. It's not, he's not a, a, a Jesus Christ. He's a, he's a mortal. We can't just have faith that everything he says is true. 
Right. And the danger is we're, what, 10 months away, uh, eight months yeah. away from this election? And he, it's going to happen again. It's going to be a repeat. He's not going to lose this election. Right. It, it's scary. Well, and, and right what I've seen, and I'll get to favorite president, I promise. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I'm seeing this week, and, and I, I really hate it. I don't know if you saw Mar this week or even Jon Stewart coming back on The Daily Show, which I'm super excited about, by the way. But there's a lot of negative energy being shot at Biden for his age right now. Sure. Bill Mars, uh, you know, he's going to pull an RBJ and uh, not RB, RBG. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. RBG. And uh, yeah, so it just, it, it drives you crazy to see, you know, that even the folks kind of middle, middle left are yes. saying he's got to go. We need somebody else. He is too old. Right. And and I think that's sort of the conversation spawned from uh, the report that found him, ironically enough, vindicated right. from the classified documents. But the fairly obviously partisan special counsel said, but, you know, he said, I don't remember. And, you know, which they all say, I don't remember a lot of this stuff and sort of used it as a platform to kind of talk about how bad Joe Biden was. Uh, with his age and it just was kind of I don't know it 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 feels like the people in the media that see Trump the way we see Trump really have got to relax on Biden because he's not going anywhere and you're just building votes for Donald Trump in my opinion I think there was a time they thought you know they could get him to step aside and there would be a a, a primary of Newsom and Whitner Whitmer and Kamala Harris but no it looks like it's heading towards Biden Trump so if you're you know why do you play into that perception becoming reality um, if you are Bill Moore or the others I understand it yeah he is an older man um, is he incapable of being the president of the United States no I don't think he is and and when you see him speak you know Joe again Joe Biden was a gaffe machine in 19. 19- 78. He's a gaffe machine right. in 2024. That's Joe Biden. He's always right. butchered the English language. But I mean, again, back to our friends at Fox News, which I always spell Troy in any text that I send, F-A-U-X, Fox News. Um, it's just 24 hours of Joe is addled. Not, none of the, no coverage of how good the economy is, but 24 hours of Joe is addled. Very true, very true. All right, well, let's wrap it up on happy stuff. Who are your favorite presidents? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I would say the, the couple presidents for me, and I've got two, but I'll try to be kind of quick. The first one, you know, I, and I'll be the first to say I didn't like Bill Clinton morally. I don't think he's got a trail of murders or anything like the far right <laughs> media would have you believe. But he, he obviously was a bit of a sexual scoundrel, right? And I don't know if him and his wife had an understanding. I mean, she certainly has enabled that behavior and has stayed with him. So, I mean, that's between them and their marriage behind closed doors, I guess. If I may, Treason, I think their understanding was that Bill was free to have sex with as many women as he wanted and Hillary was free to have sex with as many women as she wanted. I think that was the understanding. Nice. Yeah, so it makes sense. (laughs) Like, fair enough. But... But yeah, so, you know, again, not to, to, to take a moral stance on Bill Clinton, but, uh, you know, he started a, or I don't know, he signed into law a jobs program, and I, I could find it if I took a look at it, but I often reference this. And when I was 13, there was a federal grant, which enabled me as a poor 13-year-old to have a summer job working at a school. And it was something that, you know, you just, 
there wasn't a lot of jobs in Rose Hill, Virginia for 13 year old kids without transportation. And I could literally walk to the elementary school that was a hundred yards from my house and, you know, buff floors and, you know, clean. And, and it was nice because I feel like that's the type of a, a program that a middle of the road Republican, or even maybe a bit of a right wing Republican would say, Hey, that's pretty good. Let's get the welfare crowd and, and, get them behind a mop. Right. And it really taught me at a pretty early age, the value of a dollar. I mean, not a lot of 13 year old kids are working, you know, making, you know, five, $6 an hour or whatever it was at the time you learn the value of a dollar. It keeps you off the streets, keeps you away from drugs. You know, you've got kind of a nine to five for two months of your summer. And so that really made a difference with me. And I've always kind of remembered that. And it felt like kind of more of a middle of the road policy. It definitely certainly wasn't a far left, like a big lefty, let's give everybody some money policy. And uh, yeah, and that really mattered to me for the two, I think two summers, you know, maybe 12 and 13 or 13 and 14 that I was able to do that and, and really appreciated it. Um, the second president that I will say, and again, you know, our thousand listeners can shoot me in the head if they want, Joe Biden. Look, wow. Joe Biden, to me, was like wandering through the desert for four years where every day was a conspiracy. Every day was a problem. You know, somebody was lying about my crowd size. Every day was stressful for four years. And Joe Biden was a big glass of water at the end of that. And has he been perfect? No. Has there been a couple mistakes? Certainly more than a few of, you know, mess ups in his language or whatever. But, you know, as, as far as day-to-day consistency and getting things fairly done and running the government, man, after what we had for four years with Trump, he gave me the best feeling of a president as an adult. And, uh, and he may go down in history, whether he goes four more years or not as my all time favorite president, just from where we were, man, I couldn't, that's a fantastic point. I was, I was thinking, and, and we're getting late in the show, so I don't really have to give details. I was thinking JFK and Obama, just because I grew up Irish Catholic and JFK, I always kidded and said there was a crucifix. And then right below that was a picture of John F. Kennedy, but Obama, because it showed the promise of America, right? Given our history to a elect Obama, really showed the promise of America. But what a great point that you make about Biden, Tristan. So let me ask you this, Tristan Reynolds, if Joe Biden says last summer, um, summer of, uh, of uh, uh, 23, look, I did what I had to do. I beat that guy. I restored normalcy and I've had a tremendous career. And I think now I'm going to step aside, turn it over to whatever, younger generation, somebody else. How would you have felt? Oh man. You know, I think to me, if there was a clear heir apparent, Ray, if there, you know, people say Newsom, but man, there's a lot of baggage they can throw at him from how San Francisco and California look. Hell, they tried to impeach him. Uh, you know, right. Or, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's very obvious the country is not united around Kamala Harris like no. they, they've been, you no. know, so many other candidates. So, like, look, if the, you know, I think a Bernie Sanders is a good candidate, but again, you've got the age thing. So, I, look, if we had this, murderers row of candidates that were going to come up and, you know, light the world on fire. I would have said, look, man, enjoy your retirement, have a few years in Martha's vineyard or wherever you're going to go and, you know, enjoy life. But I mean, who do, who do we have that's going to unite 
the left and our base right now. I, I don't know who that is. So, I mean, I guess I'm honestly more of a Biden guy at this point. I would probably have just said, stick it out, man. That's as long as he's lucid and okay. That's a great take. That That's interesting. And perhaps he, when he lays at night says, man, I don't want to take the chance of this guy back in. I beat him once. I feel like I can beat him again. Why take a chance with a Gavin Newsom, a Gretchen Whitmer, a Kamala Harris? That's a fair point, Tristan. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, Troy, we've dominated. we got to throw it back to you, man. You're our guest. <laughs> well, we that is it. Those are the three questions that I had based on, you know, current events as of right now. I don't have a joke at the end. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you all have a chance to pull anything together or pull anything out of your hip pocket? What was it? I had to I, let the cat out. What did I miss? <laughs> Who let the That's a euphemism. I don't have a joke for the end. Uh, oh, I heard one the other day, but, oh, I could try this. It's It ends better than it starts, okay? I'll, I'll send this to Trizden because, Troy, you're a gentleman. Trizden, do you know what you call a black man flying an airplane? Oh, no. A uh, pilot, you racist ass. <laughs> <laughs> we coming from you. It's so scary, though. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes. I did have my mute button ready. <laughs> nice job. Now, if Troy had asked the joke, I would have said, I don't know. Hey, t- can I say this to my to my credit? We have a young African-American uh, kid. He's a college kid, Dallas, who who works for us. And I, I told Dallas that. And you should have seen his eyes were like saucers. I was like, Dallas, what are you? And he just... I said, a pilot, Dallas, a pilot. And he was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably he knows you. Uh, And so I had my reaction. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I've got. Chris, what do you have? That's pretty, you know what? I I did not put a joke together, sadly. So I'm I'm going sans joke this week. Thank you all for having me on the show. I love working with you all every week. And I think the premise of the show of, you know, let's find the middle where we are. I think that is admirable and like my part in it. Oh, man, well, we love so working much. with you, Troy. Really do. Yeah. And I guess we could take a second uh, without the joke even to, to thank our, our sponsors real quick. So I would definitely like to thank uh, Tony at We Do Epoxy. Um, who's going to do some pressure washing. So Troy, if you or anybody that's listening needs a little local pressure washing, my guy uh, Tony at We Do Epoxy has got your back. Aaron at Berea Pond is reopened, smaller but better than ever with uh, with all your pawning, gun, jewelry, coin needs at sort of the same location. So you can check out Aaron at uh, at Berea Pond right here in Berea at the old IGA building, or actually, more importantly, at the new Mega Dad's Flooring building, which leads us to our next sponsor, Dad's Flooring. And here we are at the Dad's Flooring studios having our conversation today. So uh, if you need flooring, and actually he's getting ready to get started on my house, and I cannot wait. If you need flooring and you're you know, in, in central Kentucky, very nice, very inexpensive uh, quality stuff. So, and I will update the listeners as he finishes my house. So, yeah, check out Dad's flooring for sure. Troy, would you like to talk a bit about what you do for us and what uh, what you bring to the world? Sure enough, sure enough. So, if you're listening to this podcast, you know the value of podcasts. And uh, Front Porch Studios is the recording studio that uh, we've got where we could remotely chime in, you know, record you uh, where you have minimal, you know, down, you know, download of money, you know, 
for microphones or the things that you already have, and you can have your own podcast. The difference between, you know, a few guys in their basement and uh, what you all do is, you know, you are putting effort towards it and, and expertise. And I, that is what I bring. I, I uh, know the best practices of a podcast and I understand the technology to take it to the next level. And if you're thinking about a podcast, shoot me an email at Troy at frontportstudios.com. I can, you know, take you from, you know, an hour of just talking through your idea for, you know, maximum impact to what I do for you, the editing where you send me a recording, I do the editing and send it back to you, you know, amazingly sounding, amazing sounding. So hmm. think about that. And just for fun on the back, on the side, uh, I've got a YouTube channel named uh, Kroger Run. This is just for fun. So if you're on YouTube, search Kroger Run, and I do just some fun stuff for that. I'm trying to uh, get subscribers. So like and subscribe that. Kroger as in the store? K-R-O-G-E-R? Kroger Run. We live about less than a mile from our Kroger. So I go by most every day and see what's on sale and, you know, sure. uh, Talk about, you know, shopping experiences. So that's, that's just a, a great fun hobby. It is. Awesome. And of course, thanks to Nate at Stove Leg. Yes. We appreciate all you guys deeply, but mostly Troy, because he's here with us right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Love the Troy. one you're with. Berea Pawn is back and open for business. After a full building renovation, Berea Pawn is open again at 107 Clay Drive in the all-new Dad's Flooring Building. No more furniture and pallets, but a great selection of guns and ammo, knives, jewelry, coins, plus pre-programmed digital TV boxes with literally every channel. Cheap! So check out Berea Pawn, their new old location at 107 Clay Drive. Back, welcome back, welcome back.